All right, Tabosai, good morning. Let's, uh, let's begin. So today's daf is Mem Aleph. We are picking up uh, at the two dots on Mem Amud Beis. Two, four, two, four, six, eight lines up from the bottom. So mutra on this. Well, so remember again, the Mishnah said a very interesting halacha that a person is permitted mutra adam bikrovas saras chaluso. A person is permitted to marry the relatives of the tsar, the co-wife of the woman with whom he did chalitza, but he is not permitted to marry the co-wife of the relative of the woman with whom he did chalitza. So the Gemara says over here. The Gemara says amrav tu amrav tuvi bar kisna. If one goes ahead and has relations with the Tzaraz Chalutza, the co-wife of the woman with whom you did Chalitza, Havlad Mamzer, child is a Mamzer. Someone says, well, my time, what's the reason for that? Bi'isura Kaima. The Rabbos say Bi'isura Kaima means because she remains in the state of her previous Isra. If you look at Rashi, Rashi is about two, four, six, eight, also about nine lines up from the bottom. Bi'isura Kaima. Chalutzahi, the Kaima below Yivna. Visulo, Aval Tsarasa, Kaima Aleb, Bi'isra Eshes Ach, Bikaris, Avlad Mamzer. The makes a very interesting suggestion that the woman with whom you do Chalitza, so she is subject to the love. Of Asherlo Yivne. Remember again, we spoke about this before that once you do Chalitza, you essentially are prohibited from going ahead and ever marrying this woman again. However, the woman with whom you did not do Chalitza, i.e., the co wife, she is still considered to be like what? Your brother's wife. And therefore, that's an Isser Kareks. And therefore, were you to have relations with her, ultimately again, and would have a child with her, such a child ultimately would be a Mamzer, and such relations would be subject to the Din of Kareks. Am Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef says, Af Anan Anami Tanino. We also learn this idea. Mutter Ha'adam Bikrova Saras Chalutsaso. A person is permitted to marry the relative. Excuse me, a person is permitted to marry the relative of the Tsara, of the woman with whom he did Chalitza. So also again, just to illustrate this, Ruvain dies, leaves behind two wives, Rachel and Leah. So Shimon does Chalitza with Rachel. The Mishnah is now telling me that although, again, Shimon can't marry Leah, but Shimon can go ahead and marry Leah's sister. Marry Leah's sister, marry Leah's relative. See, if you say that the tzara is left literally on the outside, and I both say, if you look at Rashi, he says, So if you say that the other wife, that we'll call her the tzara, is in the original state of Eishes Ach, then Mishumhachi Mutter Baachosa. Then I understand the heter. Ela i Amrit Sarah Kechalutza Damya Amai Mutter. But if you say that the Tsara herself is like a Chalutza, then Lemaisa again, why should her relatives be Mutter? Meaning again, Abosa, what the Gemara is discussing over here is really a much more fundamental issue, which is when you do Chalitza with one woman, with one wife, what is the status of the other wives, the co wives of the deceased? So do we say that the Chalitza for one essentially suffices for them all? Or do we say, now I'll say, now let, let me be clear, everyone's agreeing that when you do chalitza for one, it takes care of the yibum obligation vis-a-vis the dead brother. The shayla is, what's the status of the women with whom you did not do chalitza? So do we say that they're all called the chalitza? Or do we say, no, the one you did chalitza with, she's a chalitza, the other ones are what? The other ones are considered to be the wives of your brother. Now, boss, you'll say to yourself, who cares what's an afkamina? Major nafkamina. A man has relations with a woman with whom he did chalitza. That's a love. 
That's a prohibition. A man has relations with a woman who is his brother's wife or was his brother's wife, Lemaisa, that's an Isakaris, right? The difference between, again, a kid who comes from that union could be totally fine from a chalutza, could be a mamzer from an Eishah Zach. Says the Gemara is asking over here. So if you say, if you say that when you do chalutza with one, so Lemaisa, the other one is just a regular Eishah Zach, then I understand why, then why the brother is permitted to marry her relatives. However, again, but if you say that when you do chalitza with one, all of the wives are the status of a chalitza, then why would you be permitted to marry the relatives of the woman with whom you did not do chalitza? To which the Gemara says, Say this is a reftish Rabbi Yochanan, because Rabbi Yochanan says, Da'amar, ben hu, ben achin, ein chayav, en lo al chalitza kares, velo al tsarasa kares. Say that this refutes the position of Rabbi Yochanan, because Rabbi Yochanan holds that if you have relations with the chalutza, or for that matter with the tsara, that Lamai said there is no din of kares. Amr lecha Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan would say, one second, v'tizbara, achos chalutza daraisa. One second, you're talking about kares. That is a pretty stiff penalty. So mamish, you'd only incur kares if what? If what you're doing is biblically prohibited. But is it biblically prohibited to go ahead and have relations with the chalutza? V'hamrish lakish kan shana Rabbi, achos gerusha medivrei Torah. Achos chalutza medirei sofrim. But yet Rabbi Rebbe stated that what? That if you go ahead and you marry the sister of the woman whom you divorced, that, and assuming that your ex-wife is still alive, that is asr midoraisa. But if you marry the sister of the woman with whom you did chalitza, then what? That's midirei sofrim. That is only asr midirabanon. So the Gemara says, my shna, so, okay, for what I say, so that ends that. Now the Gemara asks, my hai, so remember again, the Mishnah made a very interesting distinction. The Mishnah said that the man who does chalitza, he is permitted, mutter adam bikrovas tsaras chalitza. So he is permitted to marry. Remember again, Shimon does chalitza with Rachel. So the Mishnah says that he is permitted bikrovas tsaras chalitza. So he is permitted to marry Leah's relatives. However, on the other hand, Asr b'tsaras krovas chalutzaso. Remember we had this case that Lamais again, if he does, if he does yibo, if he does chalitza with Leah, Leah has a sister. Leah's sister is married to another man. So once he does, once he does chalitza with Leah, he's not permitted to marry Leah's sister either. Let's say Leah's sister has a co-wife as well. Okay, whatever her name is, and then Leah's husband dies. So remember the Mishnah said that the same way that Shimon is not permitted to marry Leah's sister because she is the sister of the woman with whom he did chalitza. He's also not permitted to marry the sister's tsara, the sister's co-wife. So why the distinction over here? To which there must be something very interesting. Top of, top of Mem Aleph. This one, this one, now which one is this one? In the case of the sister of the chalutza, it would be very common that when she was coming to do chalitza, who would she bring to Basin with her? Right? It's, it's, a woman often doesn't want to be, say it's my sin people, people feel awkward going to Basin for a whole variety of reasons. So the mice again, who would she bring? She'd bring her sister. So listen to this. And I remember Le- Leah is the widow. So Leah is coming to Basin. She has to do chalitza. She's going to bring her sister. And therefore what? It's possible sometimes in Beisden, or not necessarily in Beisden they know, but people who look around don't necessarily know who is the chalutza and who is the support. So what's the problem? The problem is if then sometime later on they go ahead and they see Shimon 
marrying the co-wife of Leah's sister, they're going to think the sister was the one who was the chalutza. And who is Shimon marrying? Shimon is marrying the co-wife of the chalutza. And they will think that something that is prohibited is really permitted. On the other hand, On the other hand, what? On the other hand, the other case, which was the case of Krovas Saras Chalutza. When a woman goes to Beisdin, generally, who is she bringing with her? She's not bringing her co-wife. She's not bringing her co her lawyer, right? She's not bringing her co-wife. So because she's not bringing her co-wife, no one is going to think that the co-wife was the chalutza. And because of that, the, the cholitz, the man who did chalitza, is permitted to go ahead and marry the relatives, ultimately, again, of the chalutza. So essentially, the Gemara says, so, so the distinction is that when the woman is going to be coming to Basin as a support for the chalutza, that's where we're concerned. There's going to be a mix-up in the identity. Therefore, therefore, her relatives or her co-wife are going to be usher to the cholitz, to the man who's doing chalitza. On the other hand, if the woman doesn't normally come to Beisdin to give support to the chalutza, then by definition, no one will mix up the two individuals, and therefore, he'll be permitted in her relatives. Okay, says the Mishnah. So we'll say another case. First of all, just if you look, fine, okay, hopefully, hopefully I, I explain that clearly enough. Says the Mishnah. So was another interesting case. Let's say, um, so again, let's keep it easy. Ruven, Shimon, and Levi. Ruven, Shimon, and Levi. So what happened over here? So now, Ruven dies, leaves behind, leaves behind a wife. So what happens? Shimon does chalitza. So we'll say, let's play this out. So Ruven dies, Ruven dies, leaves behind the wife, Rachel. Shimon does chalitza with Rachel. Okay, and what happens? Vinasa achiv es achosa. And what happens? And then Rabosai, and then another brother went ahead and married Leah. So remember again, Leah is the sister of the woman who was originally married to Ruvain and now did Chalitza with Shimon. And what happens? Umes, and then husband number two died, right? Shimon died. So what's Talacha? Cholatzes velomis yavemes. Ultimately, again, that would be a case of chalitza without yibum. Look at Rashi. Because Lemaise, again, this would be a case of the sister of one's chalitza. Fine. Rashi just points out. So we'll say, again, remember, as you're going to see, and it's going to be the theme of the Mishnah, any time that the prohibition between the Yavam and the woman is an, is an Isid Rabbanam. So obviously you can't do Yibam in such a context, but you'll still have to do Chalitza. However, again, going back to our first Mishnah, whenever there is an Isid Da'oraisa that prevents Yibam from occurring, then in that case, what? There's not even any kind of Chalitza. V'chein, Hamagarish es ishto v'nosa echav achiv Similarly, if a man divorced a woman, and then what happened? His brother married her sister. So let's say, for example, Ruvain's married to Rachel, divorces her. Shimon marries Leah, Rachel's sister. No problem, everything's fine so far, except when, except when Shimon dies. Now when Shimon dies, the woman who falls before him in Yibam is who? Is his ex-wife's sister. So what is the halacha? Harei So we'll say, here's the perfect example. What does harei mean? 
No yibum, no chalitza. Why? Because that is an isr da'oraisa to marry your ex-wife's sister. So therefore, again, because it's biblically prohibited, no yibum, no chalitza. Shomeres yavam. Now, we actually had, we actually recorded this case earlier. Shomeres yavam, shekidesh achaves achos. We'll say, listen to this case. So now what happens? Ruvain dies, leaves behind the wife Rachel. No one, not, and let's say again, there's Shimon and Levi. Shimon has not yet done Yibum or Chalitza, has not acted. And what happens in the interim? In the interim, Levi goes ahead and betrothes. He does Erosin with, with Leah, Rachel's sister. Rachel's sister. So remember, Rachel is the Yivama waiting for something to happen. Shimon has not done anything. And in the interim, Levi does Kiddushin with Rachel's sister Leah. Okay, so what's the halacha? So the Gemara says, Rabbi Amru, according to the name of Rabbi Yehuda, they said the following, Omrim Lo, we say to Levi, Levi, remember, is the third brother who is Makadesh, the sister of the Yavama, Omrim Lo, Hamtein, Achicha, Mase. Wait, do me a favor. Do, or actually, no, don't do us a favor, just do, right? Just listen, right? Don't do anything until your older brother Shimon decides what he's doing. If Shimon does chalitza, okonsa, yichnos es ishto. So we'll say, all we need, because we'll say, what's the issue over here? The issue over here is technically speaking, remember that there's yesh, we paskin, there's yesh zeka, which means that technically speaking, there is a connection between this Yavama and, and Levi, the third brother as well, which means that Levi has a zeka connection to the Yavama Rachel, and he's just given kiddushin to Leah, to, to, uh, yeah, to Leah, to the sister. So therefore, he's in a little bit of a pickle. So we tell him, listen, do us a favor. Don't, don't, don't move the marriage forward at all. Rather, wait for your brother to do something. And I both say, now, no matter what, as long as Shimon does something, whether it's Yibam or Chalitza, that ultimately would then allow Levi to go in and carry through on the marriage. So Chalitza la'achiv al-Kansa, Yichnos es Ishto. So whether Shimon does Chalitza or he does Yibam, that will allow Levi to then go ahead and marry his wife. Similarly, again, if let's say Rachel, who was the widow, who was waiting for Yibum, died before anything happened, certainly Levi could then go ahead and get married there as well. Meaning that obviously we'll say if the Yavama dies, there's no longer a sister issue. If there's no longer a sister issue, you can marry her. I'm about to say, listen to this. Here's where it gets complicated. Let's say same case, same case, Ruvain dies, leaves behind Rachel. Shimon is waiting to do Yibum or Khalid. So he just hasn't decided what he's doing yet. In the from Levi gives Kiddushin to Rachel's sister Leah, and now what happens? While they're waiting, Shimon dies. Shimon dies. Reuben already died. Shimon died. So now what happens? In that case, the obligation of Yibum is upon Levi, the third brother. The problem, of course, is that Levi also has Kiddushin, also has Kiddushin to Leah, the other sister. To which the Gemara says, Mes Yavam, Yotzi as Ishto beget. In that case, again, so Levi has to divorce his wife with a get, meaning the wife with whom, Leah, with whom he gave her Kiddushin, Ve'eshes Achiv Bechalitza. And what? And then Lemaisa, again now, he has to do Chalitza with wife. We'll say, essentially, in that last case, he is in a significant catch 22. Why? Because now there is a direct Zeka between him and the Yavama. So to do anything with either of these women is problematic. If he marries, if he marries the one who we gave Kiddushin, that'll be Achos Chalutzaso, the sister of his Chalutza, whom he can't marry. He can't do Yibum, ultimately, again, with Rachel, because, 
again, that'll be doing Yibam with the sister of a woman with whom he already has Kiddushin. And even if he divorces the first, the, 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 if he divorces Leah and then does Yibam, he still can't do that. Why? Because even after you divorce him, you still usher her sister. So essentially, he has no way out. And therefore, Lemaisa, again, Lemaisa, again, he has to simply, not simply, but divorce Leah, the wife who he betrothed, and do Chalitza with Rachel. Says the Gemara. My Vechain. My Vechain. What does it mean, Vechain? I remember again, the Mishnah said, the Mishnah gave two cases in the beginning. The Mishnah said, so first case number one was Lamaisa where one brother did Chalitza, ultimately the other brother did married married a, a, the sister. Then the brother did chalitza. Then the other brother died. And the Maisa, again, the halacha is that he does chalitza and doesn't do yibum. Yet the second case was a case of gerishin. So why does the Gemara say v'chein? I will say, normally when you say v'chein, v'chein links two cases. The first two cases in the Mishnah are two separate independent cases. Why do you say v'chein? So the Gemara says v'chein. My v'chein, eima aval hamagarish. You should say, but the one who divorces a woman. Amr Shlakish, you're right. Kanshan Rebbe. Rebbe, when he taught this Mishnah, used to read it the following Achos Grusha Midivrei Torah, Achos Chalutza Midivrei Sofrim. The Mishnah is trying to highlight Rabosai is that the sister of a woman you divorced is biblically prohibited, versus the sister of a woman with whom you did Chalitza is rabbinically prohibited. So, Rabosai, and what's, and what's the distinction between that? That if a woman whom, if, if, the, if the sister of the woman you divorced falls before you in Yibum, there is no Yibum, there is no Chalitza, there is no process because she's biblically prohibited, versus a who is rabbinically prohibited, like the sister of your chalutza, she you will still have to go out and do chalitza with. Shomeres Yavam Shekidesh, Amr Shmuel. So we'll say, remember again, this was the next case in the Mishnah. So in this case in the Mishnah, Ruven dies, leaves behind Rachel, leaves behind Rachel. Shimon is about to go ahead and Shimon is about to go ahead and do Yibmar Chalitza. In the interim, Levi goes in as Mekadesh, Mekadesh Rachel's sister Leah. So essentially, Abihu, this says to Levi, wait, wait, just don't do anything. It's going to be fine. You're going to be able to marry her. Meaning, the only way you won't be able to marry her is how? Is how is if Shimon dies. So as long as Shimon is in relatively good health, right, looks both ways before he crosses the street, then it's fine. You'll be able to marry her. But wait, but wait until Shimon does something. So the Gemara says, Amr Shmuel says, says, now this is a very interesting case. So let's say again, let's say this context over here, Levi betrothed, Levi betrothed um, Leah. Let's say Leah died. Let's say Leah died. Would, would Levi then be able to go ahead and do Yibum? Look at Rashi. Rashi says, Rashi now, remember again, understand what the Gemara is asking over here. It's actually a very interesting kasha. In this case here, in this case here, so Ruvain dies, Ruvain dies, so his wife Rachel falls before his brother Shimon and Levi. Then what happens? Levi, Levi goes ahead and betrothes Leah, Rachel's sister. Now, when he does that, it's clear that he cannot do Yibum under those circumstances. That's clear. Can't do Yibum. What happens now if Leah dies? So the Shaila is, do we say that now? Look, 
There's no the, the yibum obstacle has been removed, and technically, le, technically speaking, Levi is once again able to do yibum. Or do we say that essentially, once you are unable to do yibum for any reason, you're you're out, you're out, and that woman essentially becomes to you like what, just like your brother's wife, and there is no yibum eligibility. That's the fundamental kasha. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Rabbi Chanina, Rabbi Chan, Rabbi Chanina have a machlokis. One opinion said. So one opinion said, if his wife died, he is permitted to marry the Yivama. And the other opinion said, no. Again, once you are prohibited to the Yivama, even if the wife dies, the betrothed the wife dies, he still can't do Yibam. My time with Rav, what's Rav's logic? Remember, Rav is one who says that once the wife dies, he can once again do Yibam. So what's Rav's logic? Mishum dahavi Yivama shehotra Rav says not such a big deal. She was permitted. She was permitted. I'm sorry. She was. Excuse me. She was permitted. Then, bless you. Then she became Asr, and now she's permitted again. So what's the shayla? Meaning she was permitted in Yibum. Then she became prohibited in Yibum because you betrothed her sister. Now the sister died. So why wouldn't we say? That the original ability to Yibum returns. Massive Rav Hamnuna, Rav Hamnuna raises a kasha. Gimel Achin, Beis Nisun, Beis Achayos. If you have three brothers, if you, are three, if you have three brothers, two of whom are married to two sisters, the Echa Mufna, and one of them is single. Meis Echa Miba, we saw this case. Meis Echa Miba Ale Achayos, the Asaba Mufna Mamar. So we'll say, what happens? One of the brothers died. And the single brother does ma'amar with the widow. And then brother number two dies. Okay, well, so now father's progression. So remember again, Ruvain, Shimon, Levi. Ruvain and Shimon are married to two sisters. Levi's single. Ruvain dies. His widow falls for Yibum. And Levi, the single brother, does ma'amar. Fine. Then what happens? Then what happens? Shimon dies. Shimon dies. I'm also obviously now that Shimon dies, what, what essentially is happening here? You have two women, both of whom are sisters, have fallen before Yibum with Levi, and Levi has already done Ma'amar with one of them. Now watch this, it gets a little bit more uh and then Rabbi say, what happens? Now, after that, after Shimon dies, Shimon's wife dies after him. So what's the halacha? So what do we say over there? We say that that widow, who's the remaining widow? The remaining widow is Ruvain's wife. Number one, she has to do chalitza and not yibum. Now, I'll say, this, the logic behind that would seem to be why? Because at the moment that Shimon died, at the moment that Shimon died, yibum became an impossibility. Why did yibum become an impossibility? Why? Two sisters. So again, so therefore, once he became an impossibility, what the Gemara seems to be saying is, even if circumstances change, that once again would allow Yibum to occur, once Yibum is impossible, it remains impossible. I don't understand. Why is that? I understand when Shimon dies, why Levi can't do Yibum. There are two sisters, but I've, I almost say good news, right? But, but, but the reality is what happens afterwards? Shimon's wife dies also, which means the second Yavama dies. If the second Yavama dies, all that's left is what? Is one Yavama. Why shouldn't he be able to do Yibam? It's true that there was a period of time where Yibam was impossible, but now that circumstances change, Yibam should once again become possible.
He didn't have an answer for this. Lebasra Dinafik, after he left, Amar Amailo Amarit, why didn't you say he said to him, why didn't you say the following? Why don't you respond the following? Rabbi Elazar, he this is Rabbi Elazar da Amar, Kevan Sha'amad Alav Sha'achaz Bisr, Nasra Alav Olamis. Rabbi Elazar Rabbi is of the opinion that once Yibom is impossible. For even just the moment, right? It precludes Yibum from ever occurring. Even if circumstances change again, that would allow Yibum to occur. Once essentially you're out of the parsha, you're out of the parsha. Hadar Amr, furthermore, he said, Hadar Amr, Amar Da Amr Rabalazar, Hechadlo Khazi Bishas Nafila. Oh, one second. Maybe Rabalazar only holds that if you're out of the parsha, out of the parsha, when? When Yibum was impossible at the first Yibum moment, meaning that Rabbi said, let's say at the moment that the husband died, Yibum was impossible, then I can understand if you say that the Yibum can never be performed. But at the time, but if you were permitted for Yibum at the time when Yibum first occurred, and then something happened that prevented Yibum, but then that circumstance went away, maybe Yibum should once again become permitted. So the Gemara says, Amr in, he said yes. Vatanya, Rabbi Elazar, Amr Mesa Yevimto Mutar Biisha Mesa Ishto Osi Yevamacholat is Velomis Yavemes. So we'll say, yet we learned again that what that Lamaisa. In the case of the Mishnah, Rabbi says that if the if the if Mesa Yevimto if the Yevama dies, he's permitting his wife. But ultimately, again, if the wife dies, the Yevama still Cholat is Velomis Yavemes. That was the case we read before. Leimus Shmuel Rav Asi the Amri Rabbi Perhaps Rav Shmuel and Rav Asi both like hold like Rabbi that if you're precluded for one moment, you're totally out of the parasha. To which Shmuel says no. All the Rabbanon are only arguing on Rabbi Lazar in this case because from the time of the, when, when Yibam occurred and on, there was not an Isser. But when the Yibam relationship was Asr at the time, when Yibam first occurred, even the rabbis were still against. Rabbi say, this is actually a very interesting sugya. So the way we paskin, is we say, Mesa Ishto Mutter Bivimta. So we'll say essentially, we say the following. The only time that you are fully out of the parsha of Yibum is when? Is when circumstances that precluded Yibum were present at the first moment that there was an obligation of Yibum. So for example, so for example, if let's say Reuven and Shimon are married to two sisters, okay, so now what happens? Reuven dies without children. That woman now falls to Shimon for Yibum. What's Talach in that case? No Yibam, nothing. Let's say again before Shimon even has a chance to do anything. So Shimon's wife dies. Shimon's wife dies. So now Shimon is no longer married to the sister of the Yibam. What do we say in that case? What do we say in that case? Still no Yibam. Why? Because the Maes essentially, we, we gauge the fitness for Yibam at, at the first Yibam moment. If you could do Yibam at that moment, fine. But if you can't do Yibam at that moment, even if your circumstances change that would allow you to do Yibam, you still can't do Yibam. However, if Yibum was permitted at the time that the husband died, then something happened that prohibited Yibum, but then that circumstance reversed, and now Yibum is permitted again. Lemaisa, what we pass in? 
you can do yibum. So the only time we create almost like a blanket unfitness for yibum is when the unfitness is present at the first moment of yibum. But if yibum was if yibum was permitted, <laughs> then something happened that precluded it. But then that circumstance went away. You could once again do yibum. Says the Mishnah. Well, says now we get into some of the mechanistic ideas over here. We actually alluded to this earlier. The yibum should not do chalitza, not do yibum. Until she has waited three months. What we call what we call this havchana. Havchana literally means a period of of we're able to um, distinction. That's the right word. Distinction or yeah, to be mafchin. Right means to be to distinguish. That I want to say she's pregnant. Why don't she's pregnant or not? Now we're going to say we're going to see that in general when Chazam make takonas like this, so takonas in general, like in any legal system, you have to in order for in order for enactments to go ahead and be effective, you have to just apply them blindly. Meaning, so this is the halacha, so it's going to apply, we're going to see even to a woman who cannot become pregnant. So, but nevertheless, the, the genesis of this law is from this idea that we want to see if a woman, if a woman's husband died, is she pregnant from her husband or not? Furthermore, This is any time a woman comes out of a marriage, Anytime a woman comes out of a marriage, she can't do erisin or nisuin. Now, the Chiddush, of course, with erisin is what? Now, erisin is just betrothal. Erisin does not allow husband and wife to live together. Nevertheless, the halacha is we don't want the woman entering into any kind of marriage, even, even, even betrothal during the first three months. Echad besulos ve'echad be'ulos. So we'll say this is true whether the woman is a besula or a be'ula. Now, we'll say, now, what does that mean? That'll be, for example, let's say a woman was widowed from erisin. Let's say a woman was widowed from Erisin. So generally we could assume if a woman was widowed from Erisin, she's still a basula, right? She, she didn't live with her husband. So whether she was widowed from Erisin, that's the hope, right? That's the hope, right? So, right, so whether, she was, whether she was widowed from Erisin or she was widowed from Nisuin, Echad Gerushos Ve'echad Amaros, whether a woman was divorced, whether she was widowed, Echad Nisuos Ve'echad Arusos, whether she had Nisuin, whether she had Erisin. In all these cases, the halacha is what? You have to wait three months, and wait three months for what? Wait three months even to get into Erosin. Even to get into Erosin. Rabbi Yudha says, no. Hanusuos yisarsu, v'ha'arusos yinasu. Rabbi Yudha says, first of all, not true. If you are coming off of, of Nisuin, you have to wait three months to engage in another Nisuin. But what? But you can accept Erosin. You can become betrothed. You're not living with the man once you accept betrothal. So therefore, even if you are pregnant, that'll come out. So you could accept you could accept Erosin. Furthermore, if you were widowed or divorced from Erosin, Rabbi Huda Paskins, you're permitted to get married immediately. Why? What's the logic there? Because since a woman coming off of Erosin did not live with her husband, therefore, Lamai said, no concern ultimately of pregnancy. Chutz min ha'arusos shebi Yehuda. With the exception of the arusos in Yehuda. Well, this is actually very interesting. What does it mean, the arusos? in Yehuda, because ultimately Chassan and Kala in Yehuda often got very close. And I will say, now we'll see, actually, this is a sugi in Ksubos. If you look at Rashi for just a moment, it's actually very interesting. This non it's actually a beautiful idea. In Yehuda, they believe that people
people should get to know each other prior to getting married. So they wanted the Chassan and Kala to spend time together, except sometimes people got to know each other a little too well prior to the wedding. And therefore, again, Elamaisa, if for what the Gemara is saying over here is like this. Normally, from Erisin, there's the absolute assumption that she's not pregnant, that she's a Basula. Therefore, Abihu, they said she doesn't have to wait. If you're widowed or divorced from Erisin, you can get married immediately, even without the three month period, except, except if you are coming off of Erisin in Yehuda. Because if you're coming off of Erisin in Yehuda, then what? Then it's possible that relations did occur. Therefore, she may be pregnant. Therefore, you have to wait the three months. However, again, he goes on, Rabbi Yossi on Rabbi Yossi says, Rabbi Yossi says that all women, all women could go ahead and do irisin immediately, except for an amana. Why? On the days, because of mourning. Because again, interesting enough, wait, let me take it afterwards if it's okay. So the Gemara Rabbi Yossi says that all women could go ahead and do irisin. Now remember, Rabbi Yossi is technically agreeing with Rabbi Yehuda that Lamaisa again, Lamaisa, if you're coming off of irisin, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to go ahead and get married immediately. There's no chashash of pregnancy. The only issue with Rabbi Yehuda is by an amana. Why can't she get married? Why can't she get married immediately? Because of Avelos. Because of Avelos, Rashi says, Amadeus, Avelos. So he goes over here, he says, Lemaisa. So we'll see how long that period of Avelos is. Shabbosi just says, the Amana just shouldn't get married immediately, even if she's an Amana from Erison, because she has an obligation of mourning. Says the Gemara, Bishlama, Lotis Yafim, Shemi Avlad ben Kayama. So we'll say, now let's go back. Let's go back to the first thing. So what did the Mishnah say? That you should not go ahead and do Yibam or Chalitza. Do Yibam or Chalitza for, for, you should, you should not do Yibam or Chalitza for three months. So I understand why I can't do Yibam. Why can't I do Yibam? Because the Maisa, if, again, the widow, if the sister-in-law is pregnant from her deceased husband, then it turns, I mean, not pregnant, it sounds strange when you say it like that. She, she's pregnant, she got pregnant before her husband died. Not pregnant from her deceased husband. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So, so let's say she's pregnant from her husband that is now dead. So the mice, again, the concern is what? If I do Yibam, if the, if, I, if, the, if the surviving brother does Yibam, then what? Then Lemaisa, again, it turns out that what he thought was Yibam was actually a case of Arayos. So I understand why I have to wait. However, again, Elotachlots, Elotachlots Amai. So, but why can't you do Chalitza? Right? What, what is the big deal about doing Chalitza? Just do Chalitza. And I'm also, I could say like this. I would even say, look at Rashi, when we say let's do chalitza now, we're not suggesting do chalitza now, let her get remarried. What we're saying is, let's just get the chalitza out of the way. Right? Say, you know, sometimes in these type of, 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 of situations, there is a conventional wisdom for saying, like, let's take care of the paperwork now. Even if Lamai says she can't remarry for another three months, even if we're going to say, you can't remarry for three months, we want to see if you're pregnant, let's just do chalitza now. Get that out of the way so that when the three months are over, if indeed, again, if, when the three months are over, essentially, then you can get married, remarried no matter what. Right? If you were pregnant, if you're not pregnant, you can get married regardless. So the Gemara says, Say that this is a refutation of Rabbi Yochanan. Why? What Rabbi Yochanan say? The Amr, the Remember the fact that we don't allow chalitza during the first three months would, seems to be why, because Lamaisa we're concerned that maybe she's pregnant, and if she is pregnant, then again Lamaisa the chalitza of a pregnant woman is irrelevant. But yet it seems to refute Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan. We had this about say a few days ago because Rabbi Yochanan holds that when you do chalitza with a pregnant woman, the chalitza itself is good. 
But did we not already ask Akash? Meaning, the Gemara is saying, why are you beating up Rabbi Yochanan? Okay, we, we already asked Rabbi Yochanan beforehand. To which the Gemara says, Do we have to go ahead and bring Akasha from him over here as well? To which the Gemara says, No. So the Gemara says, because what's the concern over there, Abba saying? What's the issue if we do Chalitza and she's pregnant? We spoke about this earlier already. The issue is what? If you did Chalitza, Chalitza has a call. Chalitza has a call. If now she gives birth, she, let's say she's pregnant and she gives birth to a healthy baby, then it turns out what? And it turns out what? That you have to go ahead and make another announcement. What's the other announcement? If when she does Chalitza, a Chalitza is not permitted to marry a Kohen. If it turns out that Lamaisa she had a viable baby, then what? She's not a chalutza, she's an almana. In which case, what? She is permitted to marry a coin. So now what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to go ahead and make another announcement that she is permitted to marry a coin. So the Gemara says, okay, the Nitzrichah. So what's the big deal? So we'll make another announcement, right? We'll put it in every shul's bulletin. Just want to let you know that again, Leah is not a chalutza, she is an almana. Therefore, Kohanim, she is available, right? So, so we, what, 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 what is the big deal? Just make another announcement. To which I'll tell you what the difference. I'll tell you what the difficulty is. Dilma The concern is that there may be some people who are present by the chalitza who will not hear about the subsequent announcement that she is an almana, and they will say that she is still unfit to marry the coin. They both say. The concern is not as much that they're going to say she's unfit to marry the coin. What's the concern? The concern is that if she does marry a coin and she has children, there'll be a laws about those kids that Lemaisa, again, they are unfit. They are halalim, unfit for the kahuna. So, so Lemaisa, what the Gemara is saying over here is like this. So the Gemara is saying is, Better just to avoid these situations in totality. So just avoid it. And there's a simple way to avoid it. Don't do chalitza. Essentially, we go into a holding pattern for three months. Do nothing for three months. Let's see how things unfold. I understand that sometimes it's more convenient just to get the chalitza done. But what looks like a convenience on the front end could absolutely cause incredible difficulties on the back end. So the Gemara says, Tenach amana. Now, I understand what you just said in the case of an amana. Meaning, I will say, let's say again, this was rough. Rachel's first marriage, this was Rachel's first marriage, and I understand now we want to wait three months. Don't do chalitza now, because if it turns out that she is pregnant, then the Maisa, again, she's really going to be an Amman, and you're going to be, have labeled her as a chalitza. However, grusha ma'ikala me'mar. Let's say, let's say Rachel, the widow, this wasn't her first marriage. This was her second marriage. First marriage ended in divorce. Second marriage ended in the death of her husband. We'll say, the Maisa, once a grusha always a grusha. Meaning, once you are a grusha already, the fact that that status is yours, which means what? You can never marry a coin. So also remember, we just said before that what? The reason we won't, don't want to do a chalitza during the three months, even though we're not going to let her get remarried until after three months is why? Because we're afraid that if it turns out that she's pregnant and has a baby and is really, really an amana, that she's going to have labeled her as a, as a chalitza. But let's say she's already a grusha. Let's say she's already labeled as a grusha. So then what? Why don't you do the chalitza right now? I am afraid that maybe she's pregnant and she's really an amana and not a chalusa. No, no, that concern doesn't apply here. Why? Why? Because she's already a grusha. So just do the chalitza right now. Get it out of the way. To which the Gemara says, Michael Neymar, Mishum, I'll tell you why. Mishum de mafsed luhu mezonas. 
Because I've also had a member, once, and here's, we're going to get into this now, when a woman is waiting for Yibom slash Chalitza, she is supported by the, by the deceased husband's estate. She gets, she's supported, because remember, she, her, she's in a state of limbo. So therefore, again, she's supported by, this, by the state. If you do Chalitza, as we're going to see, Chalitza ends support from the estate. So what you think is doing something good by getting this Chalitza thing out of the way, actually removes her form of financial support. So, Tenach Nesua, that makes sense if a woman was widowed from Nisuin. Because also if she's widowed from Nisuin, that's when she has support from the husband's estate. Arusa Gerusha, listen to this. Let's say she's, she's an Arusa Grusha. This is a busy woman. Right? You know, she's an Arusa Grusha. Grusha means she was divorced from a previous marriage. And now she only had Arusin with the present husband. I will say, if, you, if, if you're widowed from Arusin, you don't, you're not entitled to any level of support. Why? Because in Arusin itself, you weren't entitled to support. So let's say again, now you have a woman who is an Arusa Grusha. She's a Grusha from a previous marriage. She's an Arusa now. So I will say, now when you put all this on the table, there's absolutely no good reason not to do Chalitza right now. Because remember, to label her as a Chalitza, who cares? She's already a Grusha. To say she's going to lose Mizonos, she doesn't have Mizonos anyway. So would this be a case where we would actually be comfortable doing Chalitza now, even at the beginning of the 30 months? Elamishum de Rabiosi. The says, no. The truth is, we don't want her to do Chalitza for another reason. Disanya, Ma Seba Adam Sheba Lifni Rabiosi. There was a man who once became before Rabiosi. And he asked Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi, I have the following question. I, I have a Chalitza situation. Can I do Chalitza within the three months? So Rabbi Yossi said, no, you shouldn't do Chalitza. But really, who cares? What is the big deal about doing the Chalitza? To which the Gemara says, Kara Alav said about this man, this particular Pasuk, Imlo Yachpots. The Pasuk, by talking about Chalitza, says, if the man will not desire to take her as a wife, which tells us what they're both saying. When does Chalitza take place? Chalitza can only take place at a time when what? When there would be an option of Yibum. We say that what? Rabbi say the only time the Chalitza option should be exercised is when? Is when the mindset there's an option for Yibum. So we'll say what Rabbi Yossi is saying over here is something very different. Rabbi Yossi is saying, you're right. The idea of not doing Chalitza during the three months is not a din just simply and they're going to call her a Chalitza. Or it's not a din simply in losing Mizonas because we're going to see that the three month waiting period for Chalitza applies even in cases where the Chalitza issue and the Mizonas issue is a non-issue. What is the issue, says Rabbi Yossi? The issue is that Yibum and Chalitza are two sides of the same coin and therefore Chalitza should only be exercised when? When there is an option for Yibum. Therefore, because there is no option for Yibum in the first three months, and I will say, remember, don't get confused. Obviously, there will be cases where we do chalitza, where there is no yibum alternative. We've seen cases like that. But in the purest form, yibum and chalitza go hand in hand. Therefore, the chalitza option should only be exercised when there's a yibum option. And therefore, because yibum cannot be done during the first three months, therefore, by definition, chalitza should not be done as well. Masiv Rav Chanina, Rav Chinina, excuse me. So Rav Chinina raised the kasha. Hasveikos choltos v'lomis yavmos. So the cases of safek. Any cases of doubt, you have you do chalitza not yibum. So what's my sfekos? What are, what are you talking about over here? Ilema safek kiddushin. If you're talking about a case of safek kiddushin, then Rabbi Yosef Rashi says kegon zarok law achiv kiddushin safek karav law safek karav law. If you want to tell me that it's a case, ultimately again of where the brother, let's say Ruvain threw kiddushin to a woman, it was safek was the kiddushin close to her, safek close to him, and then what happens? Then he dies. 
then he dies. So then it's not sure should Shimon do Yibum or not. So the Gemara said you should do Chalitza. If that's the case, you're talking about Amaylo Mesyavmos. Why can't you do Yibum in that case? And we'll say, again, Ruven throws Kiddushin to, to Rachel, Safek Karovla, Safek Karovla, who is it closer to? Then Ruven dies. So the, so the Bryce has said, Shimon, you should do Chalitza, not Yibum. Why not? Why can't Shimon do Yibum? Let him do Yibum. There's no problem because they will say, why? What's the issue? Let him do Yibum. Because why? If Rachel was Ruvain's wife, then what? Then it's Yibum. And if Rachel wasn't Ruvain's wife, then what? Nice girl. Right? What's the big deal? So the Gemara says, Ella lav suffix shekidish achas mishteachayos. Rather, what's the case? The case over here is where, where Ruvain was Makadish two women, right? But only one of them. It was an open bar at the wedding, right? So what happened? He's not sure exactly which one he was in the Kaddish. Which woman was he in the Kaddish? The Kato, two, I'm sorry? Correct, two sisters. He was, he was, thank you. He was Makadish, one of two sisters, and not sure which one he was Makadish. And what's that law in that case? And now if Ruvain dies, if Ruvain dies, so what happens? Shimon does Chalitza, to which the Gemara says, no, no, I'll tell you what the difference over there in that case is. Hachi hashta hasam im yavo el Yehovi yomer da hakidesh bas chalitza v'yibam he. So if Yehovi were to come and to tell and to tell us which woman Reuven was mekadesh, so we'll say then that would be a real case of yibam and chalitza. There'd be the ability to do yibam or chalitza in that case. Hacha over here in the three months im yavo el Yehovi yomer da haloi abra mi mashkach be v'yadminala. So we'll say listen to this. So if Yehovi were to show up and to tell us. I can tell you definitively that this woman, this woman, the widow, she is not pregnant. Would we still allow her to remarry within the three months? And the answer is no. So I'll say this is absolutely amazing. What the Gemara is essentially saying is it's true that the motivation for the three-month hold period was for pregnancy, but once it is instituted, it becomes a blanket rule. That is the halacha independent of your personal circumstances. So even if you have... You know, an alioanic uh, pregnancy test. Elionavi comes along and says, you are not pregnant. You are not pregnant, right? They say the highest, highest, uh, highest uh, accuracy results. Elionavi, right? So Elionavi says that you are not pregnant. Lemaisa, again, you still can't get remarried. Therefore, again, what is the Gemara trying to prove? That shows you that in the three-month period, three-month period, Yibum is not Shaykh Bichlal. There is no din of Yibum during the first three months. Because there's no din of Yibum, therefore what? There is no din of Chalitza as well. So the Gemara says, Ha-Kitana. What's the proof to this? The proof that this three-month period is just a blanket piece of legislation. What's the proof to this? Well, so the proof to this is the kitana. That if a woman, if a girl is married and she's a kitana and she is widowed, what is the halacha? She still has to wait three months, despite the fact that what? Physiologically, she cannot become pregnant. Despite that, she still has to wait three months. So we see from here that the three-month legislation is just a, four, a, a hard and fast rule. So we'll say, what comes out from this sugya? What comes out from this sugya is that the three-month period is a legislative period, even if the pregnancy is not possible, which means that what? Which means, Lamaisa, Yibum cannot happen during those three months. And therefore, the conclusion of the Gemara is, if Yibum cannot happen, then what? Then what? Chalitza cannot either. Because Chalitza is really can only only occur in a situation where Yibam could occur. If Yibam can't occur, as it can't in these three months, therefore Chalitza can't occur, and therefore even Chalitza must wait until the end of the three-month period. All right, we'll stop over here.